Welcome to Book Bistro, where book enthusiasts come to chat about the books they love in a warm and supportive environment. episode is airing on Tuesday, June 23rd, 2020. Good morning, everyone. This is Shannon, and I am here today with a couple of things. I have an interview with author Elizabeth Kay, whose novel Seven Lies came out last week, so you can hear the lovely little chat I had with her about her book and what prompted her to start writing and just all kinds of very cool things about thrillers and female friendship and books that are coming out. It was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed her. And then I will tell you about some great new books that are released this week. I was a little nervous when I started looking for books for this episode because I couldn't find very many that looked interesting to me. I would see like one and then I'd keep looking and looking and no more. And I said, wow, you know, there's not very much. And then all of a sudden, they were there in droves. So we have lots of books to talk about. Do not fear. So before we get into the interview, I want to give you the usual housekeeping information. You can find us on Twitter and on Facebook by searching Book Bistro Podcast. You can always post just on the Book Bistro timeline. Some of you have done that. I'm always so happy to see when you've published posts there. You can join our Facebook listener group where you can chat with us as well as with other podcast listeners. You can keep an eye on some of what we're reading. We usually update you each Wednesday with a look at our current reads. If you'd like to get a hold of us and social media is not really your thing, you can email us. That address is thebookbistropodcast at gmail.com. And now we can move right into my interview with author Elizabeth Kay. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Book Bistro podcast. This is Shannon, and I am joined today by author Elizabeth Kay, whose novel entitled Seven Lies releases in the U.S. today, so June 16th. Elizabeth, thank you so much for agreeing to talk with me this afternoon. Thank you for having me. Well, you're very welcome. So can we start by you giving listeners a little bit of an introduction to Seven Lies? Of course. Uh, so this is a book that centers on two women, two friends, uh, Jane and Marnie. And the novel narrates the seven lies that Jane tells to Marnie. And they start as very innocent, innocuous lies. Jane saying to Marnie, oh, I do like your boyfriend, when in fact she loathes him. And the lies become much darker and eventually result in a death uh, and other and other sinister goings on. So there are quite a few novels on the market that deal with female friendship and kind of the toxic nature of female friendship, as well as the more positive sides of this. Um, what sort of inspired you to create these characters and their story? So I think I felt that there are lots of brilliant books about benefits of female friendship and how wonderful it can be and lots of books that look at very toxic jealous female friendships 
And I sort of wanted to try and start from a place that explored both. So start with a friendship that felt genuine and affectionate and uh, supportive and look at how a friendship that is a very solid thing and very key to your life can become something much darker. So take it from A to B, so to speak. And I think female friendships can be so intense and so brilliant, but they can inevitably be a little bit tense too. So they're a, I think they're a great source of potential friction when setting down to write a book. I would say so. Fortunately, um, I don't have any friends quite like the ones you have created. <laughs> no, me um, neither, thankfully. Yes, but there definitely is that potential just in the ways that women can relate to one another. Um, so I was really intrigued by the idea of focusing on this series of lies. So, you know, we all tell an untruth, like periodically. My grandmother, for example, is really big on saying like, oh, well, it was just a white lie. Like, it's fine. <laughs> I can lie about that. You know, it's, it's not a big deal. But as we see in your novel, lies take on a whole new significance when the lies that you tell become bigger and darker and just overall like more more sweeping as they affect your life so when you sat down to write this did you know all of these lies or did you kind of create them as your story unfolded so when I started I had a sense of the very beginning and of the midpoint and an idea where it would end and I kind of had I had the idea of seven lies more as a structural device than a plot device initially but once I'd written kind of a small chunk, maybe 10,000 words, I started to think, hold up, I need to I need to plot this out in a bit more detail or I'm going to get lost. And that was when I sat down to work out what I thought those lies should be. Essentially, they all are told by Jane to try and protect her friendship. Uh, yes. And of course, the first one works. And so if she wants to keep protecting that friendship, she's going to have to keep lying. And as you say, they kind of build and build and get much more sinister as the book progresses. And as we get to know both Jane and Marnie, we see sort of what is what is inspiring her to continue to tell these lies, even though I think there's a part of her that sort of wonders, you know, is this the correct way to maintain a friendship? Like, is this what we do in everyday life? And I think to a less um, dramatic extent, I, I hope, um, it is, unfortunately, what what people do just to sort of survive our day-to-day -day interactions. We aren't always truthful. So when you were writing this, did you find yourself kind of struggling to make sense of like how all these lies were playing out and to kind of uh, keep your momentum building so that the story continued to play out rather than like stopping after, you know, the third or fourth lie. So I think for me, like seven lies felt like a really good number because it gave me a couple of lies into the story and to that center point and a few lies out. So that's why I was saying it kind of started as a structural thing. Ah, okay. um, and then I think from once I started to kind of work out what those lies should be, I really felt that sense of tumbling of falling from one lie to the next and getting yourself yes. stuck in corners and having to lie to get yourself back out again, which I think is something hopefully some some people are familiar with, not just me. 
that idea no. that once you <laughs> once you've kind of once you've said you'd like someone's haircut, the next time they get the same haircut, you're going to have to lie again. Even in sure. that little sense, you've just got to keep up with it. And also, it's, I think it's very hard to remember the lies you tell. And we see that a little bit with Jane trying to keep on top of it. It's quite a stressful way to conduct a friendship, I think. I don't think I'd recommend it. No, no. I think, you know, it works really well as kind of the like structure of a novel unfolds because you can really you know, play with it and see like what happens when she starts to lose track of some of this. But no, I think if you were actually trying to live your life in that way, it would be hard. Um, it'd be hard. Yes. I love how much time we spend inside Jane's head. Like in many ways, the plot sort of unfolds in her mind. You know, you're not seeing these like super hyped up high action scenes. It's all like very quiet in in kind of a sinister way as she struggles internally to protect her friendship and I really enjoyed just really getting to know her even though you know that's not always a pleasant comforting experience um you did a fantastic job creating this character who is complex and yet relatable in a strange kind of creepy way Thank you. I'm glad. I think I feel when I first started writing Jane, I really enjoyed the way she saw the world and writing in her voice and spending time with her, which is which is why the whole story ended up being from her point of view. I I was having fun with it. And so I kept going. Uh, and I think some it published uh, a couple of months ago in the UK. So I've been speaking to readers here and some of them say oh, she's abhorrent. I don't like her at all. She does such terrible things. And other people are a bit more like myself and say, oh, I feel a bit of sympathy for her. I kind of enjoyed being in her mind. She's vulnerable as well. So it's different how different people read it, I think. But I certainly really liked spending time with her, even though she she isn't uh, always on her best behaviour. Uh, um, no, no. Behaviour is, is a bit of a problem sometimes. <laughs> it is indeed. And it's... You know, all of her relationships feel somewhat skewed. Like, I can't point to one interaction that she has in her life that feels completely healthy and functional. And so I was kind of wondering as I was reading, like, you know, if these are the kind of relationships you have on a regular basis, and this is how you deal with people, doesn't it sort of make sense that the thing that you cling to that you value so much, like you're going to stop at pretty much nothing to keep safe. I think so. And I think something else that I was really interested in was kind of how powerful grief can be. And Jane has gone through in the past and through the book, a huge amount of loss. And for me, I think I felt the sense that when you lose people, there's often that need to cling that little bit more tightly to the people who are still in your life. And as you say, I think this makes this is why some of her relationships are so skewed because she has this real fear of losing people that she loves and it makes her behave in slightly strange ways. Yes. And you can see her kind of struggling to come to terms with the various forms that her grief is taking and just how does she keep her head above water through all of this. So I think it's just a really really neat way to examine grief and loss and sort of how we cope on a day-to-day um, 
level. So this is your first book, at least here in the U.S. Have you written anything else that um, was published in the U.K.? No, nothing that's been published. Oh, my goodness. So this has been like a whole kind of new experience for you then, this um, like releasing a book in more than one country. And oh, absolutely. That is amazing. I am. Um, I work. I work as an editor for a publishing house here in the UK, so I'm kind of familiar with the process from the other side. But okay. so I thought actually this would feel more familiar than it does. Actually, it feels very surreal and very very exciting, but also totally mad. So I've noticed that the whole sort of state of the world has affected the way a lot of people are promoting their work now. Um, were you planning to have like a book tour that you then had to? Postponed. Yeah, I've been. I was really looking forward to getting out and meeting readers and traveling a bit around Europe and doing the same for some of the foreign editions. Uh, so it was obviously, I mean, gutting not to be able to do that. But actually, it's been, it's been such a bizarre time for everybody. I think. Um, it's and I, true. I note that lots of people seem to be turning to books who might not otherwise, or who have a bit of time for reading that they might not normally have, which is a lovely thing. And kind of the internet is give such great platform for talking about books and finding readers and speaking to readers that I feel like I've managed to enjoy some of those interactions even though they haven't been in person. So are you doing any like virtual book events um, instead of some of the in-person ones? Yes there are a few things coming up there are a few in-person things planned for the autumn which fingers crossed will go ahead but obviously it's still a bit up in the air at the moment but I'm crossing my fingers. Yeah, it's just really hard to know from day to day, um, especially here in the U.S., as we see things kind of calming down for a minute and then spiking back up again. Like, we really mm-hmm. have no idea, um, you know, what the summer will hold, let alone the fall. Absolutely. So what was your journey to becoming a writer? Like, you work in publishing, so sort of what... Um, what made you decide that you wanted to experience this from sort of the other the other side of the curtain? I had so I I wrote lots as a child. As a kid, I was always writing little short stories and little pieces. And then as a teenager and while at university, I just it stopped being something I did. I didn't really dedicate any time to it. I think I was focusing so much on sort of academic books and writing essays that I didn't really have the time or the inclination to play about with my own writing. And it was only after I started work, I started as a personal assistant for a senior editor and I started working with her and reading the manuscripts that came in. And I started to feel really excited by creative writing again. And I've written several things between that point and this point that never felt strong enough. Uh, So it was kind of a case of practicing, I suppose, reading as widely as possible, having a go. And once I, as I say, once I found Jane's voice, I felt like I was onto something that excited me and I hoped that other people might feel the same. Well, and apparently they do because the early reviews that I have seen um, for your work have been just really, really positive. Um, and that's amazing for someone's first book. You know, usually you kind of see like, oh, you know, th- this is good. Like this is this is solid and enjoyable. And in some cases, like even even great and yet this like there's been so much positive buzz for your book even before um it it came out so that's just like super amazing for really exciting 
No, I'm yes. so pleased that people are in. I mean, all you can really hope for when you write something is that other people will like it and want to recommend it to their friends and, you know, call up their mum and say, I've read a book that you need to read or whatever it might be. That's all you can mm-hmm. hope for. So to have people enjoying it is is a real delight. So I actually had an audio copy um, of your book to prepare for the interview. Okay. And I was really intrigued by the fact that you had like one narrator all the way through and then someone different pops in at the end. Mm-hmm. And I know that it's hard to um, talk about that without giving any spoilers away for how the book ends. But is there anything that you can say about that sort of choice um, to switch narrators right at the end? So this was this was a conversation that we had working out whether that was the right thing to do or the wrong thing to do. The novel is structured so that most of it, as I say, is Jane telling you her story. And yes. without saying too much, after things take a turn at the end, we get someone else's, we get kind of a slightly different perspective on the narrative. And it made, it felt like to me that ought to come from somewhere else, that we were that as a writer, I had moved slightly outside Jane's head and as readers, we were doing the same. And that maybe that warranted Mm -hmm. someone new in terms of the listening experience as well. Yeah, it definitely caught my attention. Like you're just kind of, you know, going along, like you've had these kind of twists that took the novel, um, you know, to its its climax. And then I'm just kind of like, okay, you know, so this is is winding down now. And then all of a sudden there is this different voice. I'm like, whoa, wait, who, who are you? Oh good. well I think I hope that was a good thing to be kind of given a little jolt yeah towards the it end was. like whoa like this is you know maybe it's not quite like winding down in the way in the way that I expected um even though you know that second voice isn't one that we hear for very long um you know it's just kind of in the the epilogue um it was a surprise and kind of really get your attention like focused back in on like okay you know we're still we're still looking at this person even if it's through a slightly different lens yes and it's not quite over yet I suppose is what I hope to convey no and it it certainly is not I wonder if that'll make sense without people having read it I hope so (laughs) trying to explain it without spoilers right I mean I think one of the things that I really like about doing interviews like this is the ability to kind of think about, like, as a reader, you know, what what sort of caught my attention and what do I want to hear the author, like, elaborate on? And we talk a lot about audiobooks here on Book Bistro. And so the idea of, like, what goes into that process, I think, can be really interesting Um, you know, to listeners, just sort of to know, like, who makes these decisions and what goes into deciding whether this is artistically the right choice or not. Well, in that instance, it was the audio editor sent me an email saying, oh, what do you think? This is kind of something I'm considering. You know, how does that Mm -hmm. fit with you? And I thought it was a, it felt like a good, a good idea to me. So I was glad that it had been brought to my attention. I don't know if I would have thought about it I'm I don't listen to that many audiobooks I'm much more of a paper reader so I don't know if I would have ah. had that idea myself but I was I was excited by it so have you heard um any of the audiobook I have heard the UK audiobook but there's a different narrator for the US version which I haven't yet heard 
Oh, okay. Because I know for some people, they have the same, um, you know, the same narrator for mm. both editions. Um, so I didn't realize that you had two. No, I I thought it was more normal to have one, actually. But uh, it's kind of interesting to have the text is ever so slightly different where things have been Americanized, more just in terms of individual words. So I suppose the U.S. audio copy will reflect that as well. I would imagine it always intrigues me, like when books are published in more than one country and how like sometimes it'll have a different title mm. or, as you say, like, you know, some terminology is different. So is it Seven Lies like worldwide or did you give it a so. different title? Okay. I think it's Seven Lies Everywhere. I haven't seen any copies that aren't Seven Lies in in their respective languages yet, although there are still some okay. printed. So I'm not 100% on that, but I think they are all the same. Okay. So what is coming next for you? I am working on another book. I'm working on a couple of different Excellent. openings to different books, which seems an odd way to work. I'm not sure if it's the right way to work, but just trying to find something that I find as exciting as I found Jane's beginning chapter. Ah. Uh, so that's what I'm working and on. And so moment. for you, does, does that come more than from like sitting down and actually writing bits of the book rather than just like thinking about it in your head and trying to make it unfold for you that way? Yes, I think I often think about things and I'm like, oh, that's a brilliant idea. That will work perfectly. And I sit down and within a couple of hours, I'm like, nope, doesn't work. I can't I can't get <laughs> no, what I no thought good. was in my head onto the page. So I definitely have to mm-hmm. try it out before I can be sure. That actually makes a lot of sense because it seems like just the kind of bare bones idea of something could seem like it would work really well. And then as you try to create characters and situations for those characters, I would imagine that that could be difficult then to form into the sort of idea that you were hoping it would be. Absolutely. So are you a reader like outside of your um, of your professional responsibilities to read books? I'm normally a huge reader. I had a baby at the beginning of the year. So that's kind of, I've read less in the last few months than I think I've read ever in my adult life. Uh, so, but I'm just getting back into it again, which is really exciting because I've been really missing sitting down with a book in the evening. So yes, normally I'm a huge reader. But at the moment, I feel like I'm missing out on lots of great books that I hear people talking about. But hopefully that uh, won't be the case have, for long. We have a, um, one of our presenters um, on the podcast had a baby last summer and she says or she has said like right up until a few months ago she's like oh yeah you know when you have a baby you can still read a lot like it's fine and then all of a sudden as he you know kind of grew and became a little more active she's like oh my reading has you know fallen off like more than I more than I expected oh I'm hoping it's going to go the so, other way for me I'm crossing my fingers that as he to be honest, it's more as he starts to sleep, maybe I'll be able to read. I think that will ah, hopefully make sleep, the difference. Yes. <laughs> I've felt like my brain has been a bit foggy for the last few months, and now it's starting to clear. That makes sense. Um, sleep is is essential, I would say. Absolutely. So have you read anything um, that you particularly loved that you think people should know about? I was sent an early copy of the new Shari Lapina book, which is called The End of Her. It's out in the UK next month. I think it's similar in the US. I think it might be July (laughs) as well, which is wonderful. I loved the couple next door. I think she's such a smart writer, great suburban thrillers. Um, 
great characters, always such a fast pace. It's the perfect thing for me to be reading when I don't have much time because I've been flying through it. Uh, so I would definitely yes. recommend that one. And she's just like genuinely such a nice, warm person. Um, you know, sometimes you talk to people and like you're not really sure what to expect when you're, you know, when you've read someone's work, like you don't know how that will translate to them in person. Um, and she was just like so so friendly and and smart and just overall um a really nice person to talk to with so many like fantastic book ideas so i'm glad to hear that um her upcoming release is excellent because yes, i really I enjoyed it. excellent i will keep an eye out for it i haven't actually seen um early copies of it circulating much here um I feel like last year's book came out as an um, advanced copy, like several months before. Um, but I haven't seen much of this one yet. So I oh, it might be publishing later in the U.S. Then I might be talking about it long no, before. No, I think it's, available. it's. I saw it on the list of like I think either July or August releases. So either way, you know, it normally coming would be soon-ish. here. Yes, but I will keep an eye out for it. Too. Yes. So if listeners want to get a hold of you online, what is the best way for them to do that? So I'm on Twitter and on Instagram. I'm at any other Lizzie with a Y, Lizzie with a Y on both of those. I would love to hear from anyone who who enjoys the book. If you have any questions, you can find me there. I'm happy to answer any. Uh, That's where I'll be. Excellent. Well, I want to thank you so much for taking time out of your release day, at least release day here in the U.S., to talk with me a little bit about yourself and your book. Um, I will be looking forward to whatever you come up with next. Thank you. And this was just a really, really awesome um, first novel. So congratulations on this. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Have a great day. You too. All right. So let's talk about new books. Lots of great stuff. Some mystery, some romance, some general fiction, a little bit of young adult stuff. Lots and lots of greatness this week. As I have been saying for the past little while, um, release dates are always changing So as of yesterday, when I looked these up, these books were releasing today. Um, If you are searching for them and you can't find them, um, they may have changed. And I do apologize for that. Um, COVID-19 has played a bit of havoc with the publishing industry. All right. So I'm going to mention a few books that you've heard us talk about before on our most anticipated books of June episode. First is a book that Kristen mentioned. This is Sisters of Sword and Song, Queen's Rising, number three, by Rebecca Ross, which is young adult fantasy. Sarah is really excited, as am I, about the new Talia Hibbert book. Take a hint, Danny Brown. The Brown Sisters, number two, is finally here. I was very late to the Talia Hibbert party but I am glad to see that this book is out in the world today. 
And Brooke is super excited, I am as well, about The Swap by Robin Harding, which I was fortunate enough to read an early copy of, and it is fantastic if you like very twisty psychological thrillers. So now I'm going to talk about some books that you haven't heard us talk about before. Um, this is not a comprehensive list of books being released. This is um, a list of books that either interest me or interest one or more of the other beastresses, as we call ourselves, or things that I would think just would appeal to the general listenership of the Book Bistro podcast. So if you are looking forward to something and I haven't mentioned it, please reach out to me and let me know. It helps me to curate these lists if I have a better idea of what you would like to see on them. Okay, so first up is The Order of the Pure Moon Reflected in Water by Zen Cho. And this is fantasy that is supposed to combine the action of a martial arts movie with characters from marginalized history. So... It looks to be very action-packed, very diverse, and a lot of fun. I've heard great things about Zen Cho. So this, again, is The Order of the Pure Moon Reflected in Water, and it is by Zen Cho. Danica Dark is releasing the ninth book in her Crossbreed series. This is Heartless. And if you are a fan of her books in audio, unfortunately... This does not come out in audio until the end of July, but it is available in print and as an ebook today. So this is, as I said, the ninth book in the Crossbreed series. So you get to hang out with Raven and Christian and the rest of the Keystone crew once again. Um, I am a big Danica Dark fan and have been since about 2013. I think she is fantastic. So this is Heartless Crossbreed Book 9 by Danica Dark. And I'm going to hang in for one more book with some urban fantasy and tell you about the new Carrie Arthur book. This is the sixth book in her Lizzie Grace series, um, and it's called Deadly Vows. So this is um, about a witch, and this is a series that I have not read yet. I really, really love Arthur's... Um, Riley Jensen series, and then the spinoff that she has of that. But I have not started any of her other books. And I keep meaning to, and I just don't get around to it, which I think is like the story of my life in books. But Lizzie Grace has been on my radar for a while. I've heard a lot of great things about this series from um, the Carrie Arthur fan group that I'm in on Facebook. So if you are a more sort of um, timely reader than I am. You are probably already familiar with this series, but this is Deadly Vows, Lizzie Grace, book six by Carrie Arthur. Okay, so let's talk now about mysteries. I really, really love a good twisty mystery or thriller. So Leslie Sanderson, who's an author that I've never read, has a book out today called I Know You Lied. And it's about a woman who hears from someone via a letter 
that her mother has died recently. But this is not possible because her mother died 30 years ago. So why is someone contacting her, um, telling her this now, like what, what's going on that she doesn't understand? This is I Know You Lied, and it is by Leslie Sanderson. Everyone knows how much I love you. I really like this title. This is a debut novel by author Kyle McCarthy. And it is about a woman. This is also a debut. And it is um, about a woman who is unable to stop repeating the worst mistakes of her past. And apparently these mistakes kind of add up and take a toll on her life. And if you'd like to know more about that, you have to check it out. It is Everyone Knows How Much I Love You, and it is by Kyle McCarthy. Sarah Stewart Taylor is releasing her debut novel this week. This is The Mountains Wild, and this is perfect if you love Tana French, which I do, and Kate Adkinson, which I don't, but I know a lot of other people do. Um, so this is a murder mystery. It takes place in both London. No, I'm sorry. I'm thinking of Kate Atkinson, who spends a lot of time in London. But this takes place in both Dublin and New York. And it is not only a debut novel, but the first in a series which has been left untitled for now. Um, I am pretty intrigued because anything that's compared to Tana French, regardless of who else it's compared to, is a book that I want to read. So this is The Mountains Wild, and it is by Sarah Stewart Taylor. Next up, let's talk about Nothing Can Hurt You by Nicola May Goldberg. This is described as the virgin suicides meets little fires everywhere. And it's a novel that's told in a kind of Greek chorus of voices and these people are examining the aftermath of the death of a college student. So it's kind of a mystery, kind of a social commentary. It looks like it is Nothing Can Hurt You. And the author is Nicola May Goldberg. Nina Lauren is releasing a new book this week. This is called A Woman Alone. And it's about this woman who has moved to this very safe seeming small town after a terrible home invasion. She lives in a smart house and books about smart houses are kind of trendy these days, but they always creep me out. So this is looking like it'll be another one that will be very creepy. So she has a smart house and she's still starting to think that someone is spying on her. But is this real or is this a figment of her sort of very overactive imagination and the trauma that she suffered as a result of her past. So it's A Woman Alone, and it's by Nina Lauren, who I have never read, but really, really want to. So let's talk now about Megan Miranda. So many people love her. Um, I've only read one of her books, and I liked it, so I want to try some more. This is The Girl from Widow Hills. It's, of course, her latest. And everyone knows the story of the six-year-old girl who disappeared after a storm in Widow Hills. 
But now it's 20 years later, and that same girl who's now living under an assumed name is still struggling to come to terms with what happened to her in her past. And now it seems like her past is colliding with her present. So I'm not sure what all that means, but it doesn't sound good, at least not for this character. It sounds like a great book, but not a great life. So this is The Girl from Widow Hills, and it is by Megan Miranda. Should we talk about The Last Flight? Why not? This is, of course, The Last Flight by Julie Clark. And I don't know a lot about it, but I will tell you what I know. There are two women, two flights, and one last chance to disappear forever. I can be about that. Um, this is one that I've had on my radar for a while. It's gotten a ton of good buzz um, in the months leading up to its release. So I am very, very excited about it. Again, it is The Last Flight, and it is by Julie Clark. Another thriller that's gotten a ton of positive buzz is a debut by Stephanie Scott. This is called What's Left of Me is Yours, and it's set in modern-day Tokyo, which I love because I see a lot of historical fiction about Japan, but not too much that's contemporary. So I'm really excited about this. Our main character is a woman who is searching for the truth, not only about her mother's life, but about her murder. So this is What's Left of Me is Yours, and it's by Stephanie Scott. So next up for me is a young adult thriller. This is Take Me With You by Tara Altabrando, and it is a chilling exploration of the devices that we keep close to us. And apparently we will never look at technology again in quite the same way after reading this book. So it's Take Me With You and it's by Tara Altabrando. I have never read her, but I own some of her books and they all look really, really good. But this one might just jump up to the top of the list because I really like books that incorporate technology into like the solving of a crime. Okay, let's leave the mysteries alone for now. And let's talk about some romance. Historical romance is first up, and we have Two Rogues Make a Right. This is by Kat Sebastian. It is the third book in the Seducing the Sedgwick series. And it looks to be a male-male historical romance. I have never read Kat Sebastian, but I really, really want to. I've heard so many good things about um, The Ruin of a Rake, and A Gentleman Never Keeps Score. So she's definitely on my list of authors to get to in the near future. This is Two Rogues Make a Right, kind of a punny title here. Seducing the Sedgwicks, book three by Kat Sebastian. Next, we have some contemporary romances, and Jasmine Guillory is releasing her latest book today. This is Party of Two, and I don't know a lot about her books in the sense that, like, I think they can be read as standalones. I don't ever see them listed as a series, but I know that a lot of people tend to kind of just read them in the order that they were released and seem to be really happy that way. So if you've never read 
Jasmine Guillory, um, I, I cannot advise you as to whether you should start with her first book or if you can just dive in here. But everyone who has read her seems to really enjoy her. So if contemporary romance is your genre of choice, you should probably check her out. Um, she has done some really great things from what I hear. So this is Party of Two, and it is by Jasmine Guillory. So Sarah is a big fan of author Daphne Perry, and I have never read her. Contemporary romance is not my genre of choice, but a lot of the women here on Book Bistro really enjoy it, so I like to highlight it in my new releases when I can. So Daphne Perry is releasing a new book this week, and this is Wild Highway. It is the second book in her Runaway series. Um, I don't think this is a series that Sarah has read, but I know that she's read others and has very much enjoyed them. So definitely check it out. It is Wild Highway, Runaway Book 2 by Daphne Perry. Ran Thane has a new summer book out. This is Summer at Lake Haven. It's Haven Point, book 11. And it is a sweet contemporary romance that is probably an inspirational from what I can tell from the synopsis. Um, so very low heat and pretty low angst. Just a nice, fun summer romance um, at the lakeside. So it's Summer at Lake Haven, Haven Point, book 11, and it's by Rayanne Thane. Next up, we have a rom-com by Hannah Orenstein. This is called Head Over Heels. It is set in the high-stakes world of competitive gymnastics. I'm not a big sports person in real life, and I don't always like to read about like football or hockey or whatever, but I've read a couple of really great books involving gymnasts. I've read a few books about ice skaters that I really enjoyed. So this might be one that I check out at some point. This is Head Over Heels, and it is by Hannah Orenstein. Okay, I have just a few more here. A couple of young adult books. This is What Unbreakable Looks Like by Kate McLaughlin, and it takes a look at the sex trafficking industry and chronicles the long and sometimes harrowing journey of recovering from this type of trauma. So it's What Unbreakable Looks Like, and it is by Kate McLaughlin. I'm really excited about this next book. It is Young Adult Fantasy. This is Forest of Souls, and it is Shaman Born, book one, by Laurie M. Lee. It's described as a tale of danger, sisterhood, and dark destiny. And I have been a huge fan of YA fantasy, like, over the past several years. I think there's just so much great fantasy marketed for teens. And I think I probably read more young adult fantasy than I do, like, straight up epic fantasy or dark fantasy. Um, it's just, I don't know, so richly imagined and the characters are so great. So I'm really looking forward to this one. It's Forest of Souls. Shaman Born, book one, by Lori M. Lee. Okay, one more. 
This is Eliza Starts a Rumor. This is the title. It's just like so simple and just very, um, very concise. You know exactly what you're getting here. Someone starts a rumor. As rumors do, I'm guessing it starts all kinds of trouble. So Eliza Starts a Rumor. This is by Jane L. Rosen. And it's four women, one lie, and the repercussions that unite them all. So it looks very, very fun. It kind of um, like along the lines of Leanne Moriarty's Big Little Lies, I'm guessing, just from what I've read in the synopsis and the brief glimpse I took of some reviews. Um, so if you liked Big Little Lies, you might enjoy Eliza Starts a Rumor as well. And again, it is by Jane L. Rosen. So that is all I have for you this week. I hope your TBR pile is huge. Um, last time I checked Goodreads, mine is about 6,000 books. So I realized that that's um, perhaps a bit more than huge. But I would not want it any other way. I hope all of you are staying safe, doing your best to enjoy the summer season, at least if you are here in the Northern Hemisphere, it is summer. If you would like to leave us a rating or a review, you can do that on Apple Podcasts or any other platform that you use to access the show. Not only does it tell us what you think, but it also helps other people find us when they're looking for book-related podcasts. Um, it kind of advances us in the Google algorithm. So I will be back next Tuesday morning with an author interview and, of course, the guide to new releases. And some number of us will be back on Friday with more bookish greatness. Take care, everybody. Thank you.